a Friday on Scoops with DannyMac.com, and that means we visit with Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, who is covering the St. Louis Cardinals down at spring training in Jupiter, Florida. And Ben, good morning to you. How are things going? Hey, good morning, Dan. Doing well. Um, back in Jupiter now after uh, one of the Cardinals' uh, long road trips of spring over to uh, to Lakeland and then Tampa. They've faced the Tigers and the Yankees, and, and they're feeling good. They've, they've had a good camp so far. They're pretty thinned out right now because of the World Baseball Classic, but they've uh, they've got a chance to see some of these younger guys as a result, and some of the young guys are, are taking, the, taking the opportunities that they're given and, and showing out pretty well. I really enjoyed your article on Harrison Bader yesterday in the Post-Dispatch, and he said, I wanted to be a Cardinal for life, but uh, not a bad landing spot to go back home and play <laughs> for the Yankees. Yeah, um, you know, if you could pick one team to get traded to from the Cardinals, uh, a lot of guys would say no thanks to any trade, and and I don't think Harrison was looking to leave. But if you have to get traded to the Yankees, is is not a bad spot. He's the native New Yorker, and you know Harrison, and you know this Dan did such a great job of kind of uh, devouring Cardinals history. He really gained an appreciation and respect for the the history of the Cardinals and he doesn't need to gain that with the Yankees because he knows it he he watched this team and rooted for this team growing up so that's something that is cool for him to be able to interact with some of the greats over there and he's in a pretty good spot Dan he's playing great defense in between two uh two massive out corner outfielders and that's why they want him and he he was delayed in getting a start there because of his foot issues which kind of made him a, a, a piece on the outside looking in for the Cardinals a little bit. And he's also hitting. I mean, he, he remember he hit those five home runs in the postseason after he finally got healthy. Um, and now he's, you know, gonna. it looks like he's going to hit six for them behind Josh Donaldson. So it was really a, a good trade for both both teams. Um, the Cardinals are thrilled with Jordan Montgomery, and they're expecting on him to have a big season. They're both players are entering their free agent season, so there's all kinds of incentives for them to play well. And it was it was a little emotional seeing Harrison hug Willie McGee because you know he loves Willie and they got a chance to, to catch up. And it was kind of a bittersweet day, but he's in a good spot. Absolutely. Let's uh, get your impressions of Cardinals camp so far. You, you were down there earlier this week. You'll be there throughout uh, the month of March. What are your impressions so far? Well, it's the Jordan Walker camp and continues to be every every couple of days. He goes without a hit or something remarkable. You go, OK, maybe he's going to cool off. And then he goes out and, you know, gets a hit against Garrett Cole or, you know, finds a way to put the Cardinals ahead in the game against an opening day Yankees lineup or, you know, registers some insane uh, sprint speed on the bases or steals a base or it's just I mean, it's every other day at least where he's doing something amazing. He's got think the most hits of anybody in any spring training camp here or in Arizona he's doing damage hitting you know home runs hitting doubles he's also not striking out very much he's not walking but he's here to hit and he's trying to prove that you know prove it with the bat so I don't blame him for that but he doesn't strike out a lot and these are not fluky numbers this is what he did um, you know in the minors as well so I, I think there's a good chance he makes the team um, I think Mason Wynn has been very impressive the the competitions are starting to heat up a little bit and there are some real ones um finding the thir- finding the 13 pitchers when it comes to the bullpen it's still a wide open kind of race um and then there's 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 going to be some 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 kind of jostling when it comes to if walker is on who gets bumped um could that be you know does alec burleson have to start in memphis or does does someone else who maybe would have made this team had he not had this big loud spring so the competitions are really going to get interesting as guys kind of jostle for spots here 
as camp kind of enters what I think is like the most important time. And for the guys in the world baseball classic, it's important for a different reason, but for the guys kind of on the, on the breaking point of this roster, it's, it's crunch time now. It seems like the rotation would be set in no particular order. Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz, uh, Jordan Montgomery and Jack Flaherty. That seems to be the five. Would you agree? Agreed. Yeah. And Flaherty and Matz had not pitched yet in a grapefruit league game. So people are a little antsy about that. They both have now pitched and looked strong. Um, Jack was dealing with some minor stuff, but he seems to be fine now. And they're kind of quietly excited about Matt. So I think those are your five starters, Dan. The question is, do they take kind of like a sixth ish one? Um, kind of like a, kind of like a, maybe they don't even call him a sixth starter, but with the way the schedule starts and how tough it is and some of the travel, could they, could they potentially take a reliever who can grab a spot start here and there? I think that's interesting. And could that be Jake Woodford? Could that be Dakota Hudson? Um, that's, I think there's, I think there's kind of some ongoing evaluation there. What about Andre Pallante? Do yeah, a spot start with him. Your, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, the question with him becomes the same thing we talked about a lot last year. Like, is he, is he, is he more valuable in the bullpen than that? I, I guess it depends on how you use him. Right. But he clearly <laughs> took, and this is a, that's a guy who made the camp, made the team out of camp last year. Um, he's, he's in, uh, pitching in for team Italy, at least to start in the world baseball classic. So he won't be here, um, which maybe gives some of the other guys a a little more chance to put something directly in front of the Cardinals. He's absolutely on this 13 man pitching staff. Um, but I would guess if I had to guess today, that he's probably more of a, you know, more of a reliever. I'm curious to see what Hudson does because, you know, everybody was so quick to write him off. Dan last year, he was pitching through Tommy John recovery. I mean, he was the first year back, He's really had good interactions and good feedback and good changes with the new pitching coach, Dusty Blake. And if he can come out and shove here toward the end of camp, then, then maybe there's a spot for him in that role. And, and maybe it's not just a sit around and wait for a spot start. Maybe it's a spot start and then go get go get a ground ball kind of guy. I also think that the rules will benefit him. We talk so much about the rules in the game and trying to speed things up. And he was as yeah. slow as you could find last year in baseball along right. with Giovanni Gallegos. But I think there could be a, a, a benefit for, for certain players. And we don't talk about that's the other side of this. There might be a benefit for some players. And he might be one of those guys, a ground ball specialist that works quickly, kind of your Brad Thompson type. And maybe that's yeah. uh, something that helps out him. I'm with you. I, I think we've talked a lot about how the pitch clock will hurt certain pitchers, but I think with certain guys it should help them because they'll stop picking and they'll go pitch. Exactly. And and there's something to be said for hey, you don't get to overthink this. You got to go do it. And and I will say both of them have responded to it well. Also, you know, there was so much worry about Gallegos because he was took he just took so long, but he's responded to it well. I, I think that athletes adjust. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing these guys start to figure this out, which does not surprise me at all. And I think by the end of the season, the people who are complaining about the pitch clock are going to be people who are just too stubborn to admit that uh, it was a pretty good change. Now, on the other side, I don't know if you saw um, what the what happened to the Cardinals the other day. Nolan Gorman's at the plate and, you know, pull side um, hitter from the left side. And all of a sudden, the <laughs> the Yankees are playing what's basically an overloaded right side of the outfield, but one of the outfielders is basically steps off of the infield dirt. So it it was within the new shift rules. You had two guys on both sides of second base, but the sec the shortstop was an inch off of second base to the left. The third baseman was more or less playing it short, and then you had an overloaded outfielder. So you had one outfielder in deep deep left center, and one in deep deep right center. 
with another basically playing between first and second base right off the grass, leaving huge grass up the middle and down the left field line. And, you know, we're seeing the Red Sox do this too. I don't think this shift rule is going to be as effective as, as baseball hoped. They're, they're already telling teams, look, we can only enforce what's in the rules, and already we're seeing teams start to exploit it. Yeah, I, I think it's fascinating to see how teams manipulate the rules. Right. Like you're talking about how the Yankees did that. I think you could see some quick pitches. I, I, there's a lot of things. You know, players adjust. And I, I, the one thing about the rules with the changes, the players just want to be involved. They want to be asked about the rules and say, right. you know, have a have a seat at the table when this is being done. And they did. With the new CBA, they had a, a seat at the table to give their opinion of what they think about this. And, and that's a good thing. And I also think, though, you're going to see teams and franchises – that have experimented in the minor leagues will experiment continuously throughout uh, spring training, and that will be a factor as well as you move forward. Yeah, I think some of these guys are tinkering right now because they know they can too. They're yes. kind of going to find the boundaries of it, and then and then get a little more, maybe a little more predictable. I mean, Max Scherzer, I think, is just bored. Probably <laughs> in the best of ways. He's like, well, if there's an advantage here to be found, now's the time to find it. So, um, and, and God bless Max. I mean, when you've done, when you've done like what, 30 spring trainings, you got to find something to keep you interested, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> he's, I can't imagine he'll be doing all of that during the regular season. Maybe if it's effective, we'll, we'll see, we'll see some of it, but I really think that the, some of the rules are, are playing out well, except the shifting is going to be a, it's going to be a joke. And I, we were, I was on that from the beginning just because it's going to be so hard to enforce, but even the, you know, we've seen some people barking about, the pitch clock and umpires enforcing it. And they're going to figure this out. There's a human element to it. They're going to learn the feel for it. And we're we're starting to find out kind of how it works. I didn't know this until just recently. The umpires have a, like some sort of bracelet on their arm where, right. you know, when it, it, it buzzes That's when right. the clock goes. So they're not asking them to like watch the clock and watch the pitch, which would be impossible. So yeah, they're and, taking and it out of them a, to avoid arguments. Right. It's like when you feel it, it's up. But we also are seeing them start to, you know, give guys a little more time when there's a play that a pitcher's, you know, they're just, they're getting a feel for it. And the umpires are figuring this out too on the fly. They didn't get a ton of practice with this. So especially in spring training, I think you got to give those guys some grace. And I think most of the players kind of get that. I, uh, I'm excited to watch Wayno go for Team USA. The 41-year-old out of the shoot gets the, uh, the call. And I think that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty neat when you hear Adam talk about what it means to him to participate in this and how he, you know, longed for this opportunity for years and it never came. It, it's, it makes you feel patriotic. And I know not everybody's fired up about the WBC. I, I think it's going to grow. And I think key players in it playing will make it grow faster. But it means a lot to these guys, especially the guys the Cardinals have who are going Goldschmidt. Arenado, Wainwright, Michaelis, they did a lot of recruiting for this team, and it was very important to them, and it means a lot to them. So, you know, it means a lot to Adam. And also, there's a there's a very, you know, real baseball element to this. You want to see how he pitches, because the velocity has been down in camp. The drive off his legs has not been there. He's been getting tuned up pretty hard. So, you really like to see him. He's not a velocity guy. We know that. But you'd like to see him be able to mix his pitches, you know, miss bats, and just make get that soft contact that, that we've seen Adam Wainwright be able to come up with for a long time. So there will actually be a lot to kind of analyze in his in his start for the WBC as well. I was one of the first ones that said a few years ago, he's got a shot at the Hall of Fame. And people thought I was crazy. And now they look at it and they look at how 
things are evaluated with the metrics of baseball and the analytics. This is a huge season for him personally in the fact that he has a chance to go to the Hall of Fame, and I truly believe that. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to tell some of the Cardinals fans there's some the big numbers up ahead, and I think I, here's what I think has happened with with Adam. I, I think some Cardinals fans are feel like if they predict his uh, his his failure, they will they will not feel as bad about it watching it if it does happen. And you know, I understand it. You know, when you're this age and you know, there aren't a lot of guys who pitch this long this this modern era because it doesn't go all that well. But outside of one month last season, he has been one of the team's most reliable, steady pitchers since that 2020 season where baseball went off the rails. And you look at the deal that he got compared to like a deal Charlie Morton got, and it's it was uh, it was not some overly inflated deal. Um, he means a lot to this team on and off the field. So I think it's about expectations. You're not asking Adam to be this team's best starter. If if he is, then this team's probably in trouble. But you're asking him to go out and give you a chance to win. And if he has one more season of doing that, and if especially if he can pepper it with some postseason success, then then that case gets gets a lot more compelling. We're coming to you from the Lou Fuse Automotive Studios. Lou Fuse in our community with soccer and so many different programs, lacrosse, football, giving back to our community. So the Lou Fuse Automotive Studios want to thank our good friends at Triad Bank, the Ascension Charity Classic, one of our sponsors, and they will be off and running. It'll be here before you know it, late August, early September. And then Lordo's Diamonds on Clayton Road. You have a special occasion, anniversary, maybe you're getting engaged, whatever the case may be, or you just need to make up with your wife. Uh, Lordo's Diamonds, and that is your family's jeweler for life. Uh, do you have to go to Lordo's, uh, Ben, because you're down in say, Florida? Is that a, is that a uh, is that like a, uh, a tease specifically for me because I'm spending a month in, in Florida? <laughs> I, I was taking notes. <laughs> I uh, I threw it out there just for you. Um, I, I want to get into Wilson Contreras a little bit because not a lot has been made of him. It's yeah. been Jordan Walker, as you mentioned, and Wayno at the age of 41, and some of the camp battles. Uh, Mason Wynn has stole some headlines, and then kind of quietly, your big free agent signing is Wilson Contreras. What what has he looked like so far? Happy to be here, strong, um, motivated, fun, having fun, enjoying himself. I think the, I think it's almost kind of a, a story that he's fitting in so well. It's not a story, which I mean that in a good way. He he is so bought in on what the Cardinals do. Um, Holly has been amazed, Dan, by by his willingness to try different things. You know, they 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 told him they they said we think you could, we can help you. You know, the, the knock on him was his framing was bad, and you know, blah 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 blah. And and they've said, hey, we'd be interested in doing some different things, and he's been all in on that. The bat is showing up. You know, he's he's got a thunderous bat. You watch him, you watch him hit, and there's loud contact to be made there. And you know, the the only competition is basically who's going to back him up. And there's some there's some you know some wrestling matches going on there, but. Guys like throwing to him. Guys like being around him. Um, he is, you know, smiling. He's energetic, but he's also got that that snarl when he needs it. And and there was a moment earlier in camp where one of the young guys, you know, kind of brushed somebody back. It wasn't intentional. And one of the guys from their team started barking a little bit. And before you could blink, Contreras was shutting it down. And it was the same thing that he would do when the Cardinals didn't like playing against him. But now he's doing it for your team, and and it's that's that's a different feeling. Um, he got brushed off in West Palm the other day, 
um, and then you know wound up getting on base and the way he slid into second base trying to break up a double play said that he was not pleased about getting <laughs> pushed back off the plate. He's got some of that in him. And I mean, I think you probably agree with me on this. The Cardinals can use some of that. hundred percent. They don't lack it. I mean, Nolan Arenado is fiery, but in Goldschmidt has a, has a different kind of, of burn. It's more of a, more of a low burn, but it's, he's as dedicated as anybody, but sometimes he, you can use somebody who's got some, got some swagger, some snarl. This team lost some of that. And Harrison Bader, um, it got some of that in Lars Newtbar, who has convinced uh, everybody in in Japan and around Team Japan to start using the uh, the pepper uh, the pepper grinder symbol. Apparently, <laughs> he's an international sensation. But Wilson's got some of that, and it's not cliche, it's not phony, but it's there. It's there, and, and I think his teammates will continue to say, "Yeah, that, we're glad that guy's on our side now." So he's looked good. And here's one thing I'll say: I need to write about this, but his arm is going to be a difference maker. We've He's got seen a cannon. Him, yeah. We've seen him, you know, do that Yachty back pick to first and, and third base. The other day he tried to back pick a guy off second. And the way the rules are changing with the, the bases bigger, the encourage steals through the pickoff limits, a catcher with an arm is going to be, it's not going to be, uh, uh, it's not going to be a plus. It's going to be mandatory. Well, I think, I think the Cardinals it's have one of the stronger ones around. And more so than that, it's a catcher with a quick pop-up time and release. Yeah. So he's yeah. got the arm. And I do think it's going to be interesting if teams will try to take advantage of him because there are some defensive flaws in his game. They can work on that. He can get better, but he's got a massive yeah. arm. And I, I think if they can work on pop-up times and his release, that'll be the key for Contreras and the Cardinals moving forward. How, they, everybody wants to know how much he's going to catch. And he said his he, he and his camp have said, hey, that he came here to catch you know, 120 plus games. That would be a career high for him. And I think the Cardinals are saying, yeah, we want him to do that. Um, the, the One of the questions will be, can he do it? Can he consistently catch an amount of games here that he had not before? Can he stay healthy? And because here's the thing, the more he catches, the better they are behind the plate, one, but also the, the more li- more flexibility they have at DH. Right. It's, it's great to talk about having Walker on this team and no one really suffering as a result and spreading those DH at bats around. But you got to remember... Goldschmidt needs to DH some. So does Nolan Arenado. You start throwing Contreras in there regularly, and there's not as many at-bats for some of those younger guys. So I think you need him to catch as much as he can. A few other topics I wanted to get into is last Friday we were discussing uh, City, SC, and and what that might be like on Saturday night. It surpassed, I think, for a lot of people uh, what it was like, and it was a celebration not just of soccer and professional soccer in town, but really a celebration of the city. So outside of the the – rainbows and lollipops what what did you take away from watching that game on saturday night well the photos looked great um i was uh, sad i couldn't be there but we had awesome coverage from 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 everybody back at the paper so that was a that was cool to see it from here and we watched the game down here and what continues to, to jump out to me is that the style this team plays is hard to play against and i think it's going to frustrate opponents and i think it's going to win more than people think and that that's number one Number two is, we knew this, but the way they play is going to also be fueled by the crowds at home. They're going to be a really tough environment for teams to go play play in and play against, and that can that can absolutely contribute to success on the field. So, man, it was just cool to see it all come to life and uh, and really come to life in a way that it doesn't feel like, hey, this is fun, but wait until – years from now when it's going to be competitive it's competitive now and that's just going to continue to, to turn up the volume on it 
And and I think that some of those predictions that this team was the worst in the West are going to come up looking pretty wrong. Speaking of crowds, how about the Battlehawks in their home opener and the amount of people? <laughs> what do you think? 35, 40,000 for that game? I mean, probably more than 30, yeah. I mean, nothing would nothing would surprise me. I mean, they're now opened up the, the top part, and they are it's unbelievable. still coming. I mean, they lost their third game, which I don't think will dull the the crowd at all. Um, it's uh, it's it's fun, and people like football. And we know this about St. Louis that if you if you represent St. Louis and you seem to like St. Louis, then St. Louis will support you. So I hope that as many people go as they can cram in, and I hope that the pictures of it go go super viral. Um, I'm I don't I, I encourage folks not to turn everything into like send a message to Stan Kroenke because that's that's not why we should do anything. But I think sending continued message that this is a place that that will absolutely show up and support sports teams is the right way to go. And we're going to have back-to-back events here between the soccer opener, which just stunned the league. I mean, they were so wowed by the crowds and the, and the atmosphere. People are going to be feel that way if they see what's going on at the dome for the Battlehawks game, and it doesn't surprise me. I do want, I do think the way they won those first two games led to this. If those, if they would have lost those first two games, I don't know if we're talking about it today at all. But they did, and uh, now they get to have the rewards. Found it interesting. Chris May comes out publicly and supports Travis Ford. Sometimes it happens after the season, whether or not you know he he knew prior to this. Hey. He's got my vote of confidence, and I'm sure he, he gave that to him privately, but usually it happens right. after a season unless a coach is really beleaguered, and that's not the case with Travis Ford. There's some question marks certainly with the program, you know, getting into the NCAA tournament, but this isn't like an awful situation. This is a 21 team and, you know, on the cusp of potentially doing that. But Chris May, the AD at SLU, says, no, 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 no. He's my guy regardless of what happens in the A-10 tournament or beyond, so – uh, I thought it was interesting that he came out early with a vote of confidence. Well, to me, he he was trying to get out in front of the notion that the A ten yeah. would tournament would would decide Travis's fate, and to me, that kind of felt like it was something that if you go into without this, it probably does. So he had his mind made up enough that he didn't want that to be <laughs> the speculation. So, and I get it. I, I mean, Travis has in his. In Travis's worst seasons, he's going to win you twenty-ish games and give you a chance to have, you know, have a shot at uh, at winning the A10 tournament. That's not a certainly not a not a low floor. I mean, a lot of programs would love to have that be where they kind of are every year. I think the question for Chris and Travis together, because they're in this together, and SLU supporters is going to be okay. This was supposed to be a very big year, and it wasn't. So, what has to be done to to break through this ceiling? Because it's kind of become a it's kind of become a low ceiling, high floor program, which is better than where it was when Travis took it on. But if SLU is serious about wanting to become a you know a power in the A10 and wanting to be a, a fixture, you know, in in the NCAA tournament annually, then this isn't working. So. How does that happen? What has to happen? Is it is it is it you know simply some of it can be put on you know there were some hiccups in the team that weren't predicted, but I think it also has to look at I think you got to take a hard look at, at some of the coaching. Why why wasn't the team meshing at times? I think you got to take a hard edit of the roster. There's going to be a lot of guys leaving this team, but there has to be a a, a kind of a, a common theme that that this year was wasn't good enough, and it doesn't mean it wasn't good enough. So you got to fire everybody. But I think they're going to look at what they have to do to kind of punch through to that next level. 
And clearly the, the supporters at SLU and, and Chris may think that Travis is the right guy to get them there. But uh, if you haven't done it after after year seven, then you're in a spot where people it's fair to people to say, well, will, will it ever happen? And uh, right now I think that's what they're wondering. How about the job? And we'll wrap it up with this. Dennis Gates has done at Mizzou. I, I just, I didn't see this coming from Cleveland State. Man, no kidding. I thought it would just, and this is no disrespect to him. I just thought the cupboard was bare. It's going to take a while to get his guys in. And he brought some of his guys, obviously. And the transfer portal brought in the type of player he wanted. But I did not see this coming. And, and he deserves all the accolades coming his way. Well, he, deler- he deserves SEC Coach of the Year. And he didn't even finish in the top two, which I don't understand that. I think Buzz Williams was deserving, but how Jerry Stackhouse was a co-winner and Gates not, I, that makes no sense. Stackhouse is in year four. He had the kind of year that keeps you from getting fired. Exactly. Not the kind of year that wins you SEC Coach of the Year. Mizzou beat Vanderbilt. They're higher in the net. They have more quad one wins, and no one was expecting this team to do anything. They were picked to finish 11th. I thought they'd have a great year if they made the NIT. He showed he can recruit. He showed he can flip a roster. He showed he can implement a style that fans love and players like to play. He overcame the adversity of Isaiah Mosley not being able to play as often as they hoped. And they're rolling into the tournament with a great with a great spot in the in the SEC tournament. They're a lock for the NCAA tournament, no matter what happens in SEC play. I mean, this is this was a season that, for lack of a better word, rejuvenated the program. And I can't, I just can't believe that his SEC coaching peers didn't recognize that. Now, I think he was getting punished for being a rookie. And I think he was getting uh, probably overlooked by his own first year coaching peers who didn't want him to win because it makes them look worse. So I think he kind of got, I think he kind of got double bias there. But I think folks who know better know that that guy had as good of a year as any coach in, in college basketball. It's Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Plenty of coverage, I'm sure, from Jupiter, Florida in the Post this weekend. And you got City, you got the Battlehawks, you got a lot of things going on in, in college postseason basketball. So I know you'll have that covered at the Post-Dispatch. But uh, put the suntan lotion on, Ben. I get concerned about you down there. You, you neglect your skin. Be careful. And uh, hopefully we'll talk next Friday. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little pinkish, Dan, but uh, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna even out to a nice tan. Just give it a, give it a few days. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk next week. Awesome. Thanks for doing this. It's Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post Dispatch.